0: The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life. Like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help. From fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I
1: become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Who are the best wide receivers in the 2024 NFL draft? I've studied a lot of them, 20 of them to be exact. And we're going to have a nice long conversation about how good this receiver class is. Who are my top guys? And some receivers that are higher and lower on my board than you're going to see in the consensus. But you know what? That's the joy of this. The NFL draft and scouting it is really like looking at a piece of art. Everybody's got a different take. Somebody's going to be right. Somebody's going to be wrong. My goal is to be right 100% of the time. And that won't happen. But we can try and we can live and learn. Crack a beer. Welcome to Real Foreign Show.
0: Welcome to Real Foreign Show. Hosted by Tyler Forniss. The managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack Run-In Shooter. Host of the good, the bad, and the hungry. On the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. As well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skulls.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Forno. With me, as always, in the top right corner, he is your fav- favorite English schoolboy, producer Dave, and we are going to have a nice, fun time here tonight. I do apologize. Uh, we had a uh, an unfortunately cancellation with the great Thor Nyström. He will hopefully be on the show next week talking everything about Drake May, the NFL scouting combine, and why he's wrong about the quarterback class, and I am 100% right We know that that's probably not true, but we're going to go with it. Anyways, (laughs) tonight, instead, we are going to bring you the best wide receivers of the 2024 NFL draft. And I've scouted 20 of them and you might have a, some discrepancies like, oh, why isn't this guy in your top 20? Well, I watched the guys that I believed were for sure. There's a group that I knew I needed to watch. And then I kind of made some uh, picking and choosing at the end. Like, okay, I want to make sure I get to these guys. And if I miss these other guys, I have enough based on live viewings to really kind of talk about them and understand what they are. But I wanted to make sure I got these 20. So I did. And we're not going to spend a ton of time on 11 through 20, but I do want to hit on everybody really quick just to make sure that everybody gets talked about. Okay. So, uh, Dave kind of, um, uh, bearing the lead here, uh, we're supposed to have some form of mystery with the top 10, Dave.
0: I'll take it off.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. So let's start at number 20. He's Brandon rice, USC, uh, big body guy. I didn't think he moved well at all. I thought he struggled in contested catch situations, but he has the body to be really successful at it. I just don't see him as a really quality NFL wide receivers, like a wide receiver three or four. And I, I just, I don't see it. I know a lot of scouts thought he was really good in the senior bowl. I thought he wasn't because I thought he had to hold on to players and use physical force to separate. And he wasn't able to separate at all with athleticism, with speed, with technique. It was basically, Hey, I'm going to just physical it. You can't do that in the NFL. That's not how things work. So I'm really concerned that he won't be very good in the NFL, but we'll find out. 19 is Javon Baker from UCF. A lot of people have him higher than I do. Uh, I've seen a couple people that have said first round. I think that's a little absurd. I think that's v- really, really high. To me, he's 75% of what Jamar Chase is. Same play style, same body type. They like to win in the exact same ways. But Jamar Chase ran the four threes. I think Baker's going to run high four fours or maybe even four fives. And I think that little bit is going to completely separate him from being a true alpha or being a, a top flight receiver in the league. I think there's a chance he can be like a low end wide receiver too, but I'm just worried that the lack of speed considering he plays a more vertical game is going to be a major hindrance for him, which is why he's so low. Speaking of low Devontae Walker from North Carolina is my number 18. Now Walker was getting a lot of first round hype at the beginning of the year, uh, beginning of the cycle because huge vertical threat, six, two and a half, like two fifteen. Sorry. I actually have the numbers in front of me. See six, one and a half, one ninety seven, 197 but he looks and plays much bigger than that. And because of that, the, the speed is real. It, it's just not enough. He's not able to separate consistently. He doesn't really win at the stem. He doesn't win with technique. And when you don't do some of those things, it becomes an issue. And, I'm concerned he's never really going to be that guy. Like, think of what DK Metcalf is. The thing with DK Metcalf is he, he only runs like four routes, but he's so much bigger, stronger, and faster than you that it really doesn't matter, and he wins anyways. Devontae Walker is like the dollar store version of that. And to me, that doesn't spell winning at the next level. So I'm, I'm really low on him, and the Senior Bowl really matched with the film. Just wasn't impressive. 17, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. He is shorter than you would think, but he is built like a Mack truck, 6'1, 223. I didn't think he did enough outside of being so good at winning at the catch point. And he's more of a long strider when it comes to speed. Like, think of build up speed. Like, sports cars, you talk about zero to 60 in under five seconds. He's a zero to 60 in like six and a half. But then once he get, gets to 60, he then speeds up to 80 really quick. So once he gets to that top speed, he's borderline untouchable, but getting up to that top speed and that buildup can be an issue. And I, I didn't think he has a well-rounded enough game. So he has a high third round grade for me. 16 Jalen McMillan, Washington, this dude's a baller, but there are some real concerns. He's a slot guy, a little bit smaller, 6'1, 192. And I don't think he can necessarily play on the outside and thrive consistently you could split him wide and I think he'll be fine on occasion, but you probably want him winning from the slot and some of how he wins. I'm not sure is going to translate hundred percent to the NFL, which is why he ended up at 16. now this group 11 through 15, I'm very excited about and they are separated by 0.8 points. So you could really jumble these guys up in any, which way you want. Um, 15 is Jamari thrash Louisville. I love this dude. He is fast. He plays significantly bigger than the five eleven 11 and three quarters, 185 pound frame. My biggest question for him was, can he beat physical coverage? Can he win at the catch point when people are bullying him? Can he do some of these things? He did. And he did it successfully at the senior bowl. Not just once, not just twice, like three or four times. And at the senior bowl, it's, you use it to match with the film. And if the film doesn't give you an opportunity to see something, you're like, okay, well, does a senior bowl allow you to see that. And for me, when I watched the senior bowl, it proved that he could do it. And it didn't just once, once is like, okay, now do it again. Second times. Okay. Now we're starting to see a trend. And then by the fourth time, it's like, all right, this guy can play and he can do it. So to me, I was sold on him from there. And he is great with the ball in his hands. Incredibly fast. I wouldn't be shocked if thrash threatens the four threes. He is that kind of explosive athlete. 14 is Ricky Pearsall from Florida. I love this dude's game. He was not great in 2022, 2023. He really stepped up in a big way. They also changed how they used him. He became their every down guy. He became the guy in that Florida Gator offense, the guy that they could count on and rely on. They got him the ball in any possible way. They could, not only can he go down the field and win deep with great tracking, he's got really good speed, precise route running. But they trusted him to run the football, not in like Percy Harvin where they're handing it off, like jet sweeps, reverses, and he was cooking defenders down the field. He had a multiple long touchdown runs this season, and he's got a punt return touchdown to his credit. This is a really good football player, and I could see. I think he's probably going to be best in the slot, but I think he can play the outside if you need him to. 13. Well, oh, this is my guy. This is my guy. He's on the all four. team. His name's Malachi Corley wide receiver out of Western Kentucky. If you want Debo Samuel, this is Debo Samuel, same archetype, same style of play, same body mass and frame. They win the same way. Is he going to reach the same ceiling as Debo? I don't know. But if you want it, that kind of player, you take Malachi Corley, and he's 44th now in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50. This guy can ball, and in his uh, junior season, 2022, 40 missed tackles forced. 40. That's a lot, and it's especially a lot for a wide receiver. Yeah, his uh, average depth of target was like, I don't know, like four or six yards, but that's not his fault. It's due to the offense they were in, but then he would get like 75% of his yards after contact or yards after the catch. I mean, this dude can flat out play and I would love him to be a Minnesota Viking. Two more guys before we really dive into the top 10, 12 is Jacob Cowing. He's this year's tank Dell. I don't think he's as explosive, but he's a vertical threat. He can win in with quickness out of the slot. I am a little worried about his frame five, eight and a half, one sixty-five. and tank Dell was just special in how he released and how explosive he was in and out of breaks. And that made a massive difference to compensate for his size. Cowing needs to test bet, uh, well for me to really feel confident in that size. But I really, really loved the film. And dating back to his days at UTEP, this dude was torching people deep, tracking the ball well, getting in at the catch point. His size didn't show that it was an issue on film. So I'm a little less concerned. That it won't translate to the national football league because I saw it manifest multiple times in multiple ways in college. And when you see it in college, Hey, it's not an issue. It's less likely it would be an issue at the NFL. It's if it was an issue in college, it's probably going to be an issue in the pros, but if it's not in college, decent chance, he'll be okay. Not perfect, but okay. Lastly, 11, Roman Wilson from Michigan. He really showed a lot at the senior bowl. Very, very impressive performance. He was probably the second best player in Mobile. And Wilson proved that he could win in press coverage. He could win at the stem. And he wasn't just winning with speed. Because they gave him a lot of free releases at Michigan. He was doing a lot of jet and orbit motion. And moving at the snap. So then he wouldn't get hit with press coverage. And then he could run free. Well, once he got to Mobile, he beat even Quinion Mitchell in press coverage. And it was consistent. And I loved what he was able to show because he showed what he, he wasn't asked to do at Michigan. That's not because he couldn't do it. They just didn't want him to do it because getting him on the move and getting him at full speed at the snap to them was more important and it's hard to blame. So that's 20 through 11, Dave. Do you have any questions about any of those guys before we move on to the top 10?
0: well, <sighs> We're not going to be selecting the wide receiver, most likely, in the first round. Yep. Are any of the top 20 going to be available when the Vikings are anticipated to select or possibly select a wide receiver, which I wouldn't suspect until at least round three, which is end of day two Mm -hmm. or day three?
1: I think round two is a much bigger possibility than round one mainly because when we see free agency manifest itself, Dave, I think that they're, they're going to do so much work on the positions of need that they're going to be able to draft talent and they do need a wide receiver three. And I think taking a guy in day two does uh, lend itself some credence. I think it's something that you could realistically see. Will it happen? I don't know. But date two with all this talent draft is for acquiring talent. And, if you have a wide receiver number one on the board, you just take him. And I'd say that about pretty much any position. Just like with the Packers, they, they took Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers when they didn't need a quarterback. Worked out pretty well for them, right? You just take talent and you figure it out. So oh, we'll
0: find out what Jordan Love.
1: Early returns look good. I
0: hate to say it, but they look. He's what? Four years into his career.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he. First three years, he didn't do squat. Well, that's because he never had an opportunity to do because he played behind Aaron Rodgers. But well, that's year, part of the return. His his first year as a true starter showed some struggles early. Then he got his feet under him and things improved significantly. And they especially improved when he saw defenses for a second time. Look at the second Lions game, the second Bears game, the second Vikings game. That matters. That, matters. that matters a lot.
0: I'm just saying he wasted his first three years sitting on a bench.
1: Oh, that, that's a Packers problem. That's not a Jordan Love problem. Well, that's still a waste. Mm-hmm. So let's get into this top 10. Number 10. I will probably be lower on him than consensus, and I'm fine with that. And that's Florida State's Keon Coleman. He got a mid to late second round grade from me. And my biggest thing with Coleman is live viewings. He looked like a dominant alpha. He looked like somebody who could absolutely torch anybody. But then once you turn on the all 22, and this is why I talk so much about watching the all 22, because it tells you the true story. It, there's no bias. There's no missing camera angles. It tells you the truth. And I saw a guy who wasn't that explosive, didn't separate very well, and was significantly less of an alpha at the catch point, than I had remembered in live viewings because live viewings, you see this guy just absolutely torching defensive backs and grabbing a ball out of midair and doing that consistently. I didn't see that much compared to what I remember from live viewings. Um, it was really frustrating to watch because I thought this guy was going to be potentially like, Hey, maybe this is like a DK Metcalf kind of comp and he just wasn't, he was just okay. And Look, could there be development? He's only 21 years old, third year junior. Absolutely. But for me, it it just didn't work. It didn't click. And I wanted to see more, and I didn't. And to me, that was frustrating. I thought his route running and separation skills just were not up to par. And I'm not expecting perfection from a guy who's this physical monster. On the outside. Because that's the style of play. I just wanted more. I wanted a lot more. And I didn't get it. So. Second round grade. Look this dude could end up being an alpha. Like T Higgins was. He could also absolutely stink. And I think that wide range of outcomes. Also scares me a little bit. I wanted more. With what he is. And that's like the that was the big thing with DK Metcalf. I know he's limited to a point, but does it matter? Does it matter that he can only run four routes? With DK Metcalf? No, it didn't. It didn't matter at all. That's why I had him as a, an easy first-round grade because it was he could do everything so well of the things he could do. And Coleman just Really disappointed me in comparison to what I thought he could be and kind of what he was built up to be. The film just didn't bear it out. So he got a second wrong grade, and the range of outcomes are very wide. So we'll find out with Coleman. There are going to be a lot of people right and a lot of people wrong about him. And the evidence tells me I'm going to be right, but we'll find out. That's why this is an art form, it's not easy. And you just have to go with what the data tells you. The data being the film and the analytics, and go from there. And that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with Keon Coleman. I know Anthony's a big Florida State and Keon Coleman guy. Look, we're just going to agree to disagree, and you know what? That's okay. We're, you're you're not going to agree with everything that I say. I'm not going to agree with everything that I read about any every player. But I, I, he just he's just not for me. And he's going to be for some people. I've talked to people I really respect. They've got him at five, six, seven, significantly higher. I just don't. And I'm okay with that. All right. Number nine. He is the man that you think uh, should be going to Vanderbilt to, to study political science. And that is Georgia wide receiver Lad McConkie. I loved Lad McConkey's film. Anthony, I, I want to point this out because I, I think this is something that uh, analysts will hear. I'm a massive Florida Gator fan of of the teams because I'm a Florida fan that I hate the most Florida States barely in the top three. I hate Tennessee and Georgia way more than I hate Florida state. And I love Ladd McConkie. So to to me, this process is you take the phantom out of it. So let's talk about that. This dude Is 5'11", 185, and he's good. This, This dude wins at a high level from all levels of the field. He can win short. He can win deep. He can win in the intermediate. And he's got a twitchy ability to create in space. He's got a great change of direction. Understands how to win at the top of the stem with route running everything he does is just crisp and clean. And he's way more explosive than you think because the name, his name is Lad McConkie. If his name was uh, Joey Smith, I think there would be a lot less preconceived notions about this football player. And you would have seen a lot more people on his film and the train a lot earlier, but his name was Lad McConkie, the small skinny slot receiver at Georgia. I don't think he's just a slot either. I think he can play Z. I think you can utilize him in a lot of different ways. It's probably going to be best in the slot, but I think you can have him out wide and he's going to be just fine. Um, I, that just because there's a lot of good. Um, there are things he needs to work on. He needs to vary his tempo. I'd like to see him add five to 10 pounds of muscle over the course of time to get closer to that 195 mark because I think that will help him a lot. I don't think he needs to bulk up, but slowly gain that weight and do it in a healthy way because he's so explosive in and out of breaks. You don't want to rob him of that, but you'd like him to have a little bit more muscle mass because the body takes a beating and that muscle mass can make a big difference. So I'd like to see him get a little bit more weight. Vary some of those Tempos in his routes and figure out a way to be more explosive and fluid with some of that route running because I think there's areas where he can continue to grow because it's already very good but he can take it to great with some good coaching and I think being in the NFL where passing is going to be much more of a priority than it was at Georgia and obviously at Georgia they didn't have to because they had well that defense and a great running game and that's just how they want to play football. It's a similar conversation we we had with JJ McCarthy. But I love Lad McConkey's film. Great player. And my grade on him was an 83.1, a mid to high second round pick. And I think that's completely fair. This dude, this dude can flat out ball. I need a drink. What do you think, Dave?
0: I haven't seen him play, <laughs> so I have no idea. Ooh. He seems a little small to me, but hey, it there's been receivers that size that have been successful in the league. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to discount that. He's not diminutive. He's just he's five eleven instead of six two or six four. So yeah,
1: I think I think he's that good. Um, but I, I the size. Discussion is a very, very, very fair criticism. Uh, it, it is because he's, but he's with all really all these good. guys,
0: It all depends on the hands, how mm-hmm. well they catch a football. It's that simple. That's their job, catch a football. And I would fire football after football after football at them at different positions, yep. you know, all the way around their arch, their reach area, down to the toes, all the way up and out see if they can snag it and then specifically right at the face and right at the numbers and see how they handle that. And Mm -hmm. that determines, can they catch? And then the next thing is, can they run
1: routes? Mm -hmm. And McConkey can do both. Well, um, anything in the comments saying is a Wesley Welker type. No, doesn't play anything like Wes Welker. I think Emmanuel Sanders is a very apt comparison with how they play football. I think, I think that's a, that's a good one. I'm not a huge comp guy, but I I can tell you when a comp doesn't make sense. And to me, the, the Patriot slot receiver, it's a fun joke, but it doesn't fit for him. It really doesn't. Before we go on to number eight, Dave, I think it's time to talk about our wonderful sponsors, our friends at underdog rescue Minnesota. Now, fun fact, wife and I are potentially adopting another dog from underdog rescue this week. We're going to go meet him. We're going to go meet him tomorrow. We don't, we don't just talk about our great friends. We live it too. And these guys do a fantastic job of loving every dog and taking care of them and trying to put them in great homes. And if all goes well and Odie likes him, which let's be honest, Odie likes everybody. Then we're going to have a new, four-legged friend in the house on a full-time basis. UnderdogRescueMN.com if you want to adopt, foster, or just donate and help out the dogs, If you're especially if you're out of state. And we would be oh so grateful if you did that. All right. Let's talk about number eight, Dave. That is LSU's Brian Thomas Jr. Brian Thomas Jr. is an interesting guy. He is... Straight up an X receiver, 6'4, 205, and looks every bit the size. Now, here's what makes him such a really tricky evaluation. He will have like three or four plays a game where he plays what looks like full speed. And that full speed, he, he probably runs like 4'3'4 in the 40, just blazing fast. Like DK Metcalf's kind of size and speed combination, just not something you see regularly and special. The problem is he doesn't play fast all the time, and I don't know why. And to me, that bogged down the evaluation quite a bit. It didn't feel like it was a lack of effort thing, but it could have been. It could have been that LSU didn't want him to play super fast. It could have just been a quirky thing. I, I don't have an answer to it. Strategy. And to me, maybe, but. Uh, if you see a guy that fast on film, you know how fast they are. Like they have GPS tracking and all this stuff that that, excuse me, data is available to these college teams. So for me, it was just weird, and because it wasn't consistent, I, it really bogged it down. And that's why he got a high second for me. Some people have him as wide receiver four and a certified top twenty pick. I'm more cautious because I saw the flashes and the flashes. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that but it's not consistent. Why isn't it consistent? Why are we having the conversation of why isn't he doing this every down Every down? Why isn't there more effort? And receivers don't run great routes every single time. Not even asking for every time, but when he should show that speed, he doesn't. And it's just really weird. And I don't have a good answer. I don't have a reason. So I'm going to play it more cautious with the receiver like that. Because if you're not consistent with it now, why are you going to be consistent with it in three years? I can't feel confident about that. So he got a high second and I, I'm okay if I end up being a little lower or maybe a little wrong on him because of that inconsistency. It just, it wasn't there for me, but good football player. If he can is consistent, this guy could be a top 10 wide receiver. The size, the speed, the tracking ability, the ability to win in space. It's all great, but the consistency lacks, and that scares me.
0: Now, this picture I have selected up here shows a body catch. Does he catch it in his body, or does he usually catch it out with his hands?
1: See, this catch is an over the shoulder, so I, I'm not really concerned with it being kind of a body catch. Uh I thought the hands were relatively good. Um, I didn't think they were like superb Um, just for reference point. um, His hands, I gave an 8.4 out of 10, uh, which is a fringe first round kind of score. Like, I think the hands are fine. I I don't really have a concern about it. I don't have a concern about his catching style. It's like this one explicitly, like you can just tell it's an over the shoulder because of how he's catching it. Uh, So, and I think the biggest thing with uh, guys who are body catchers is how do they catch it? Um, and some guys have just awful form with body catching. Some guys have great form. It's more of a case by case basis for me, at least. No, oh, it so, is. So yeah, Without a doubt, I'm not really. It con- I'm not concerned with him. I'm. Mean, I think he's going to be just fine. Now, let's go to number seven. Bo Nix's favorite target, Oregon's Troy Franklin. So (sighs) the big thing with Troy Franklin that's going to have a lot of people really concerned, he's not physical at all. He struggles when he gets touched, but he's so fast and explosive in the open field that half the time it doesn't matter. So I'm I'm worried he might be, even though he's 6'3", he's 187, and I'm worried he might be relegated to being like a a guy you have to place on the move a guy you have to have in the slot because he can't deal with the physical coverage. That's a real concern with him. But man, when he gets the ball in space, he's lethal. He is so good after the catch. He is so good at finding space in the middle of zones and he just moves special. Somebody compared him to what Justin Jefferson was in college, especially when he talks about their movement skills. I don't necessarily agree 100%, but I get where they're coming from because the movement skills are special and he can stack defenders easily. The second he gets a step on you, you're done. It's over. You're not catching up to this guy. He's probably running four threes. I don't think he's going to threaten four twos, but he is very, very fast and explosive. But it's that physical stuff, Dave. Are you going to be able to do enough holding up physically in the National Football League? I don't know. Which is why, even though he has a phenomenal analytical profile, I can't get there. I can't get to a point where I'm calling him a first-round grade, where I'm believing in him to be my alpha on the outside. It's too much of a concern for me to put him that high. But I'll tell you, those who are in analytics and fantasy football, which is also very analytically based, they love this guy. He is their guy this year because of like stats that translate, like yards per route run. And the yards after catch. He's so good at that stuff. And he,
0: he, he sort of looks like a skinny version of Randy Moss. Does he have the stride like Randy did? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Oh carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not but she did and in the end
1: what will I become Senwa Saga Hellblade 2 play it now with Game Pass this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming and his facility shines with Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Not a one-to-one, but he's more of a long strider, yeah. he's He can eat up ground really, really quickly. So, I, I see where are going with it. Now, I think that's, that's a, a fair not comp, but a fair discussion point. All right.
0: Belton 190 at 6'3 is small. That's skinny. That's why he's skinny. Yeah.
1: Yes. It's, it, and he looks very skinny. Like, some guys are like 200 pounds and they look skinny. Some guys are 200 pounds and they look well built and put together. He's some skinny. guys are 200 pounds look fat. Yep. Mm-hmm. Troy Franklin is skinny. And I'm concerned about him on a long-term basis. Let's go to number six, another small guy, but I think things might be a little different for him. And that is Texas's Xavier worthy. First thing we have to talk about is the drops. He improved year over year from 22 to 23, especially when you look at the advanced stats, when you talk about the drop metric, but he doesn't have great hands. And when the ball is outside of his frame, he's going to struggle pulling it in. The thing is that might not matter that much because this dude is fast. He's, he deals with physicality somewhat well for a guy who's only 172 pounds. And the thing is with worthy, you're probably not asking him to put on a lot of weight and you're just going to have to deal with it because if you put on a lot of weight on a guy, that's this kind of blazing fast. How is that going to impact him? How is that going to impact the speed? It could crush the speed. And that's the one thing that's really scary. Um, when he's going deep, he does a phenomenal job tracking the ball. He doesn't always bring it in, but he sees where it's going and gets under it. Uh, he can do the... Um, he can do the Willie Mays-style catch, like the over-the-shoulder really nice. and He can catch it in normal situations, too. Uh, he... Shows nuance in route running, which I thought was really impressive. Uh he can make his breaks at full speed, drop his hips, doesn't just round stuff off. He can also stop like immediately on a dime on like stop routes, hitch routes. And I think it's really, really impressive. Plus, he's in the same tier after the catch guys like Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, because of that speed, and he's got good vision in the in the open field to be able to take advantage of that. But the hands. And the drop issues in 15 of 44 on contested catches. Look, they're not great, which is what really Mars, the evaluation. Like I gave him a a low fourth round grade when it came to hands, the drops are real, but everything else is so good. The yak ability, the ability to track the ball in the air, the ability to separate and run routes. It's all great stuff. And I think that's going to all translate to the next level in the modern NFL. Having this kind of speed and field stretcher on your team can make a massive difference. So you're probably just going to have to live with some of the drop issues because the rest of what he brings you is going to be that good. And that's kind of where I'm at. He got a very high second round grade wide receiver six. His range is probably 25 to 75 because I think those hands could be a big, big issue for some teams. Same with the size. He's a massive outlier when it comes to size, especially when you uh, adjust like the size or the weight per like balance out with his height. Like tank Dell is 5'8, 163 pounds. one hundred sixty three pounds at five hundred sixty three 163 pounds, excuse me, at 5'8, significantly different than 171 pounds at 6'1. There, that's a pretty big difference in how that body composition is. So I have concerns, but I really like Xavier Worthy's game, and I went into his film expecting not to. I thought I was going to be very disappointed, and that's why you always go to the film, because the film will tell you what you should be thinking, and I really liked it. That was good.
0: Well, right. the hands
1: are the big deal,
0: because that's how he's going to make his money. Mm-hmm. Wide receivers have to be able to catch footballs. Yep. Tied
1: he has... He has the kind of speed where you'd put up with about three more, three or four more drops a year because he can really change games. And Well, maybe good coaching will help him
0: mm-hmm. fix any errors he has in technique so that he can know how to place his hands, how to catch the ball,
1: mm-hmm. prove that. And we're one of the best
0: wide receiver coaches in the business.
1: Yes, we do. All right, now those are all of my non-first-round grades, so let's go to my first-round grades. Wide receiver five, Jalen Polk from the University of Washington, and this is a guy I'm going to be much, much higher on than the consensus. I think the highest I've seen anybody else have him was wide receiver eight. I love this game, and to me, he gives me a lot of vibes of T. Higgins, where he's not necessarily super fast. I would guess if he runs mid four, fours, I think that's a massive win for him. I think he's really good at nuance and understanding what to do and where to be. Uh, to me that that really matters. He just has great awareness in the open field to find the hole in the zone really good with the ball in his hands and understands uh, how to set up blockers and how to attack angles. And he was used as a real vertical threat in this Washington offense opposite of Romo Dunze. Uh, He's also an incredibly great hands catcher, Dave. And I know that's super, super important to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and he only had eight drops in 221 targets. That's really good. That's a less than 4% drop rate. I'm all in on that. I love, love, love that. Um, This is a really, really fun receiver and he's relatively physical. He can hold up as a blocker and do a lot of that. I am a little worried about him in press coverage. I think some of the releases, he just doesn't have a a big repertoire, but in the college game, you don't necessarily need it. And I think a really good receivers coach can help him develop that. Um, I will say he had some lapses in concentration at the end of 23 not necessarily all drop related, but they were the cause of all of his drops in 2023. And he just was struggling to kind of pull in some of the catches that he would have earlier in the year. So I I would like to have seen that be more consistent, but he can do a lot of nuance, various tempo uh, and that stuff will really help uh, separation. And I love Polk. I think he's going to be a little divisive because of the style of receiver. He is, But I think he can grow and develop into a very, very good football player. I would bet on Jalen Polk. If he was available at 42 and the Vikings took him, I'd be in. That's that's where I'm at. I would be in on Polk. Really, really good. Um, He got a grade of 85.8. Good enough for fifth on my list.
0: Gotcha. Polk for president.
1: Yep. Let's go to number four the highest graded player currently on the all for team. I try not to pick first round grades because I don't, I think it's a, a little bit lazy, like, but I, I love watching these films, this dude's film so much. I don't, I don't care. Adonai Mitchell from Texas, the Georgia transfer, Georgia obviously didn't really use wide receivers well at all. They barely used them like period. When I turned on his Texas film, I was blown away on some of the nuance in his routes, the ability to win vertically, the ability to break and snap off routes with hitches and digs. This is an X receiver that can play Z. You can ask him to be a route running savant. He's not going to be flawless at it. Like he's not going to do the same things Ladd McConkey does, but he can win in a variety of ways. And he's got this huge frame with legit vertical threat speed. And that's going to impact how players on the defensive side play him. Because you have to honor that vertical speed. And then once he sells that, once he gets your hips to flip, then he cuts inside and he's able to make that break and provide a wide open, big target for the quarterback. Adonai Mitchell shocked me at how good he was. I, I knew he was good, but sometimes the film is just blown away. He's so smooth. Everything he does looks like he's not even trying. It just looks effortless. And, but it's, it's not one of those situations where you can tell he's slacking off. It's just, he just makes it look so easy. Like when Chris Carter caught a football, he made it look like the easiest thing in the world. That That's how Mitchell plays. He just plays so smooth. Uh, what I found interesting, he had six drops on 52 targets in his freshman year. His final 103 targets over the course of the last two years one drop. So drops to me, aren't an issue for him. It, to me, that just says, Hey, not, not that he was immature, but his football skills were a little immature. And I think that element of him growing like that is going to be really, really impressive for a team. He should go in round one. I would be shocked if he's not available. After day, I was shocked if he's available, excuse me, after day one. Like this is a Kansas City Chiefs type wide receiver because he can do so many things for you. Stretch the field, win contested catches, run crisp, clean routes. He can do it all. And it's not like he's a perfect receiver. Um, not really a yak guy, but I think some of that just had to do with how Texas utilized him. Um, just 178 yards after the catch in 23 but he was doing a lot of like deep routes and he was doing a lot of digs. You're, those aren't routes to give you a lot of yards after the catch. So I think that's a usage thing, but it is something to be weary of. Was it a usage thing because he's not great at it. That those are questions that you have to be able to parse out and ask yourself and be able to answer. You have to be able to read between those lines. Cause it's not just like, Oh, he didn't do it. Well, why, why didn't he do it? You have to be able to figure out if he can or can't. Um, I'd like him to be a little bit better of a blocker, but that's a nitpick. If a great blocking wide receiver is awesome, but if he's not, I can teach him technique that the effort seems to be there, but he just doesn't maximize leverage and gets out of position. I mean, it happens. So I, I'm not super concerned, but I'll have add Mitchell wide receiver four, and overall on my board. At night, Mitchell is very high. He's eleventh on my board right now. That's going to be higher than a lot of people, and you know what? I'm okay with that. As Delton said, uh, he appreciates my rankings because I'm doing my own work. Yep, this is these are conclusions that I came to by myself, and that's I'm very proud of that. These are me. I don't get paid to f- pursue a narrative. I I do these. And I use my own opinions. Gary, can they play guard? I don't know. Do you want a 210 pound wide receiver playing guard? Yeah, no. So, no, they can't play guard. Let's go on to the top three. Everybody's going to have arguably the same top three as they should because they're just that damn good. My number three is Romo Dunze out of Washington. To me, this is if you gave DeAndre Hopkins four, three speed the way he plays. And when I watched this film, I didn't think he was very fast because he was just such a smooth mover. Everything was controlled. But the, I started asking questions. I'm like, well, I see that he's ran a four, like four, three, four multiple times. And that's been like confirmed at Washington. Well, why is he running that fast? Well, he didn't have to. And he's, He's got a little bit more of a a get up, like a build up kind of speed. He's a long strider because he's he's a legit 6'3", 215 big dude. And he does so well after the catch. And some guys like Nikhil Harry had to win contested catches because that's the only way he was getting the ball. Romo Dunze wins contested catches because he's really good at it. He doesn't have to always do contested catches, but they knew they could count on him. Because he could turn a 50-50 ball into a 75-25 ball. And not just that, he tracked it so incredibly well and knows how to maximize space, knows how to go up and attack the football and flash late hands. Because if you flash late hands, the corner is going to be even later to the football because they watch your hands and they attack through them. That's how they're trained. That's how they're taught. So if you go up late for the ball, they're going to be late to go after the ball. And... Odunze just understands how to maximize what's given to him, how to take a low percentage play and turn it into a high percentage play. This year, 17 of 24 contested catches. That's not a mistake. He's that good. And he makes th- that easy. It's not like both guys are going up for it. Like you're playing 500 in the backyard and the ball is in between two people. No, he boxes out. He uses space. Well, extends his arms to go get the football. This is DeAndre Hopkins, like the stylistic is so spot on because of how new Hopkins wins in those contested catch situations. He just understands how to use space to his advantage leverage, and he can go attack the football in that way. So Romo Dunze, 87.1 easy first round grade. I almost put him at wide receiver too, but we'll, we'll talk about why I didn't. And it has nothing to do with how good he is. He is insanely good. And apparently he's going to run at the combine. And if he runs in the four threes, that's going to flip a lot of public perception on him because there's talk about it, but seeing it and seeing that number will impact a lot of people's opinions. Should it? No, but we know it's going to Dave. We a hundred percent know it's going to. Oh yeah. It does at every position.
0: Somebody does something amazing mm-hmm. numbers wise and it runs them up the board. Delta says he only plays the X. Is he an X only player or can he move around to Y and Z?
1: I think you can move him around, but he's best at X. Like they did a lot of uh, condensed formations at Washington. And when you do condensed stuff, you have to be able to do more than just play an X. So I'm not super concerned about him not being versatile, but obviously he's an X. You want to use him as an X, but you can ask him to do a little bit more. I think that's a hundred percent fair like taking a look at kind of some of the things that I wrote as weaknesses. um, He's decent in space, but he doesn't make a lot of people miss. He just kind of, it's almost like that Lamar Jackson thing where he knows he's going to get tackled. So he just kind of goes down and plays it smart. And I think there's a lot of credence to that theory. Like I would like to see a little bit more nuance with it and develop more of a full route tree, but he's got the X receiver route tree down pat. And he's really, really, really good at it. So you have a phenomenal baseline, and you continue to grow in some of those areas. And to me, sky's the limit. Odunze could end up being a top five, top ten wide receiver down the line because of how good his skill set is, how nuanced the technical is paired with the athleticism. Like when you get the merge technical with athlete, oh, it's hard. Going to be really hard to stop you. We got two more guys left before we get out of here tonight. So let's. Let's talk about wide receiver two. LSU's Malik Neighbors graded a flat eighty-eight on my board. He is currently on my big board. Player number five. And there's been talk from some of the big draft Knicks that these top three wide receivers are arguably the three best players in the draft. Anybody has that opinion, I don't blame them. Neighbors is so the good. Best players
0: in the draft, not where they're going in the draft. That's totally yeah. two, totally different things.
1: Yes. So he's six foot 200 pounds and he understands how to utilize his frame to his advantage with, uh, with his speed as well. He can cook you down the field. He can stack defenders really easily and varies his defender or his, sorry, his releases really well. So he can get that advantage with leverage. Um, He's got some route running nuance, but the really special thing, ball tracking, he tracks the ball so so well and he knows when to throttle down and hit the turbo button and I Addison had this early in or sorry late in the year I can't remember who was against might have been against the Lions where he intentionally slowed down and then sped up but was just a little off with his timing you do that because if you slow down and then speed up you're going to create that little bit of separation that can give you the win and he does a great great job with it but let's talk about some of the deeper analytics with neighbors. Seventh in yards after catch, 19th in yards after catch per reception, second in yards per route run, 34th in A dot. 12.5 yards is an insane A dot for like this kind of wide receiver. Six drops on 124 targets, which is a fine number. And then 26, but here's the thing he only played 26.8% of the snaps in the slot, but he had a, a ton of production from the slot. So you have to parse out, okay. If he's winning that much from the slot, is he going to be able to do a lot at the next level? Justin Jefferson proved that you could. And he's kind of the guy that said, hey, don't pay too much attention to it. But neighbors produced significantly less when he was outside. And he was outside for like 75% of the snaps. That can be a little bit of a red flag. I'm not really that concerned about it. He Obviously, his bread and butter with slot fades. But I want to see him just continue to grow and continue to develop. It's this is a very good football player, but I need to see a little bit more before like normal class. He's probably a wide receiver one. This class, he obviously isn't because we're going to talk about him in a minute, but neighbors is really, really good. We're not going to see the athletic testing, which I had hoped for, but still a damn good football player.
0: You mean he's not particularly participating in drills.
1: Nope. He, he doesn't have to.
0: Right. He's but, just going in to do his interviews, get his medicals. and
1: mm-hmm. With Odunze but, testing, he probably should, but that's his choice. The one thing he risks is Odunze testing so well that he gets drafted as a second wide receiver.
0: Mm-hmm. So, well, he may be counting on his pro day. Not that, you know, pro day forties and stuff are they weigh them a little bit differently than they do it with the ones done well, in if he, Indy.
1: If he's anything like Marvin Harrison Jr., he's not gonna go out as pro day either. Marvin Harrison Jr. is not gonna work out as pro day. He's not working out at all. He I mean he's probably going top three, he doesn't have to, but it's right. it's still a very interesting decision. Um but let's talk about him. Number one, wide receiver and the number one player on my board. I don't see that changing Ohio state wide receiver, Marvin Harrison, Jr. Look, he is the son of hall of fame, wide receiver, Marvin Harrison. And (sighs) this guy just understands it. He's built like an X receiver. He can play like a Y or a Z. He can do everything and he can do it. Well, he can run routes crisp. He can go attack the football in air. He can create separation when it's not there. He can win with tempo. He can win with releases. He can win with nuance. He can win with breaking. He can stack you and he can outrun you. This is if you built a wide receiver in a lab and it wasn't Calvin Johnson, it'd probably be Marvin Harrison Jr. He's hit 23 miles an hour on GPS tracking, which is what a lot of teams use, especially in lieu of the 40-yard dash. There's nothing he can't do. And he, he can deal with physicality. He's got the frame for it. He is... Let me pull this up here. He's 6'4", 205 listed. This, he's built like an X receiver and can play like everything else. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best receiver prospect to come out since Calvin Johnson. He's incredible. And if you are a team in the top three and you need a quarterback... Look... If you're New England, maybe you sign a veteran and you get Marvin Harrison Jr. because you haven't drafted a good receiver prospect in decades. Maybe you do that. This guy is incredible. He's so good. And then that obviously that pushes quarterbacks on the board, which is advantageous to the Vikings. But sometimes you just come across a difference maker type of prospect. Marvin Harrison Jr. is that difference maker. People were talking about, hey, let's trade Justin Jefferson and go get Marvin Harrison. Like, trading Justin Jefferson is a whole different story. But, man, is Marvin Harrison Jr. good or is he good? He's both. He's very, 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 very good. And whoever has him truly could have a generational prospect on their hands because that's what Marvin Harrison Jr. can be. A true generational prospect. Really good football player.
0: Well, we'll find out because he'll be compared to Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson has set new league records all four years he's played. So, yeah, he owns those records. Harrison will have to beat those records.
1: 100%. 100%. Dave, that is our show today. Top 20 wide receivers in the books. Saw a couple questions about... Guys like uh, Johnny Wilson and Malik Washington. I haven't been able to watch Malik Washington. Uh, He wasn't on my initial watch list, which is why he's not on here. There's a chance if I get some time that I'll watch him and it will sneak up there. He was ultra productive for one year. Uh, Johnny Wilson. I've seen so much Johnny Wilson and I I watched him live when I watched uh, Jordan Or Sorry, I watched all 22 when I watched Jordan Travis and Keon Coleman. I decided I'm not watching Johnny Wilson because I didn't think he was very good he would have like three plays a game where he looked like Superman and the rest, he looked like Jane. (laughs) It's I understand. I'm cross-referencing Superman and Tarzan Tarzan and Jane. Yes, I got it. Yeah, I just, I didn't think Lois. I I didn't think Johnny Wilson was, was worth a watch when, especially when you look at how talented this receiver class is. Delton agrees to it's loaded. It's absolutely uh, loaded. And hey, tomorrow, yes.
0: And that's a result of they started wide receiver camps and schools and stuff like that mm-hmm. way before any other position has, right? Other positions yep. are playing catch-up. And it's starting to produce better and better and better and better and better prospects coming out. And then the college game of footballs changed, right? Well, I grouse about it on the O-line and the D-line side, especially the O-line side, how it's changed and became you started to see the air raid and stuff like that and they started to go more vertical and you needed those wide receivers that can catch and these guys get such a head start and it's good Mm -hmm. for them because they need it. It helps maximize their capabilities and earnings in the NFL. Gives them a leg up to do well, and we want that. Justin Jefferson is a product of that. And we want more like that. Jordan Addison's a product like that. So, hey, maybe one of these guys on the top 20 drop into day three and we snag him. We'll find out.
1: Yeah. That is our show. Tomorrow we will be back with another episode of Skull Search. Time to be determined, as always. As I mentioned before, we're going to take a look at a doggy. And if things go well, it could be late, but we'll have something at some point tomorrow. It also could be before we go, so uh, keep an eye on that. And, and that's why plus, you always you want the to press, watch press tomorrow.
0: tomorrow. <clears throat> what we have the pressers
1: tomorrow. Uh, press conferences for Kevin O'Connell, Quaido Pimenta around noon. Uh, O'Connell will go first, and a half hour later, Quaido Pimenta will go, and hopefully we might be able to get something from them. So how these press conferences work is national guys will come and ask questions and then they'll do, they'll have a side session with beat reporters. So beat reporters don't ask questions here. So you could learn absolutely nothing. And it's just people asking questions that we already know because we follow the Fluff. team and cover the team. Mm-hmm. Th- that's what happened last year. But sometimes you can get some interesting answers because different people are asking the questions. So wh- and then we'll obviously get uh, something from the beat reporters as well. I recommend that you check that out because we'll go live at some point during the afternoon tomorrow. Pretty close to after they talk discussing them and seeing what we can gather from them. But we'll have a skull search tomorrow. You'll want to like subscribe ring the bell all the things because if you don't ring the bell you don't know when we're going to go live because over the next few weeks you're going to want to have that bell run because we're going to go live at random times because of signings players getting released players getting restructured the combine you're going to want to have it locked and loaded because we're going to have a lot of great stuff lined up for you. In the meantime, thank you for tuning in to my top 20 wide receivers in the 2024 NFL draft. I'm Tyler. He's Dave. The one thing that we always say is Skull Vikings.
0: Skull Vikings.
1: Like, subscribe,
0: and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornes and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone!
1: Plus.
0: This has been a Vikings first and skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.